Good evening and welcome back to Ulcerative Colitis Motherhood and Me. I'm Ulcerative Colitis Mama and tonight's episode is just kind of um, sort of bringing forth things that have happened since my last episode. Um, first of all, I just want to uh, apologise in advance because my dog is sleeping next to me and she's making a very loud point of it. Uh, she's giving me the side eye as we speak. Um, <laughs> but on a serious note... Um, a lot of the content in my last episode was quite heavy going. It was quite, I kind of threw it all in there. It kind of probably didn't flow very well and it probably didn't make much sort of sense at the time. It was just literally, let's get this out of my skull and kind of put it forward on my podcast episode just to try and offload some of those feelings. Um, and I appreciate it can be quite triggering some of my content for, for some of the listeners. And as always, I always stick trigger warnings in. And tonight's no exception. Um, so before I proceed in tonight's episode, I just want to put a trigger warning in place. Um, I appreciate everybody's in a different part of their mental health journey. And a lot of my content does surround a lot of heavy going topics within mental health and well-being. Um, so listener discretion is always advised. Let's get started with tonight's episode. So yeah, my last episode, which was what a couple of weeks ago, um, a lot of stuff had sort of accumulated over that that sort of few month period, you know, since everything's gone on with my car and the stress of all finances and just sort of my mental health took a bit of a bit of a dip um, with all the stress and anxiety sort of arising from all of that kind of hassle, really. Um, notwithstanding the fact that obviously it was a year anniversary, near as damn it, to the week where my friend unfortunately um, passed away and it was also um, the first anniversary of the passing of my biological father which has been a massive kind of um, challenge for me in the last 12 months, um, one that I'm still trying to process. So... Um, Apologies again for, you know, kind of laying it on quite heavily last time. It's sometimes it's, um, you know, I do tend to use a lot of verbal diarrhea um, because my brain works so fast and I struggle to get the words out sometimes. And when I do, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't flow. And, um, and I've always used this podcast as a means of kind of offloading those feelings. So they're, they're not kind of bubbling up inside me as much. Um, and it just happens to be that there's some amazing people out there that actually listen to my content. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, I didn't think sort of when I set this podcast up a couple of years back that, I, you know, that I'd get over a thousand listeners. Um, and I'm, I'm completely elated and really appreciative. So thank you. Thank you. Whoever, whether it's one person that's listened a thousand times or, a thousand people that have listened once I really do appreciate it um and I as you know I like to talk so <laughs> um and I talk to an empty room quite literally um so yeah a lot's kind of not a lot's happened but things have sort of developed since my la- last episode um one being that I started therapy last week so um so just a, a quick recap so basically I was referred to therapy through work um initially it was because I'd gone through quite a traumatic kind of um incident a few months back uh with one of my colleagues um 
that kind of although you know I got praise for it and it was a, a the however much effort myself and my colleague had put in unfortunately that you know it it was beyond our kind of control what what kind of occurred that night um you know it, it still quite weighs heavily on me and it's made me lose a lot of my confidence as a as a healthcare you know healthcare professional and just in general really um making me second guess things and you know double triple checking everything and just being a little bit sort of more wary of future incidents happening like that it's it's all a learning curve basically um I think when you work in public services and you know in a profession that does work solely with the public it's um you learn every day you never you know every day is a school day as they say um and that was no exception so anyway um so I got referred to therapy which was kind of like a it's like a third party that the the health trust that I work for kind of fund so many sessions um so they funded six so that's like two more than I've had previously so that's kind of a bonus um but I realized I I I was discharged from mental health services back in, in 2019 so up until then I've not spoken to anybody in a professional capacity in terms of one-to-one talking therapy so it's like where do you start you know you know when you've been in the system and you've you know you've talked you know I've I've had you know talking therapies in the past quite a few times I've had um you know obviously I've been under the care of a community mental health nurse and I've also had trauma counseling so I've had different kinds of talking therapies different slightly different approaches each time um but it was usually I kind of could kind of get a way to ease myself into it a little bit whereas um you know I didn't really have much time to kind of prepare if that makes sense for my appointment because it was literally like you can start Tuesday great we'll start Tuesday so I was like okay right okay I've never met this person before and you know this is going to be one heck of a icebreaker (laughs) um and I think because of the kind of person I am I'm quite an open honest person I'm pretty much an open book um so talking isn't always a problem for me as you can tell from my podcasting um but it's kind of easing that other person in really because they don't know me and I don't know them and I you know and it's like you know it kind of where do I begin with all this I mean this is you know I'm almost 36 it's there's quite a lot of uh <laughs> quite a lot of baggage there um but it was okay what are the points that are more relevant that I need to discuss with her um we sort of went over the actual you know the the incident which was actually the the main reason I got referred but obviously I'd had a lot of stuff going on prior to that so stuff that I I do really need to deal with um probably as a higher priority so I thought I'll use you know I'll, I'll use this this time to to you know make the most of it and get that really hard difficult stuff that I can't process out to somebody who knows what they're doing with it and can help me with it um so my therapist is lovely she's a psychotherapist that deals with integrative something CBT probably um and she does something about existential something so she sounds pretty legit she's you know she's a registered practitioner so it's it's all fine um so yeah right obviously one of the biggest things I have to sort of get across is you know the 
the issue I have processing the death of my biological father. So we kind of touched on that um, last week. So she wants to try a, a method. I don't know if she's going to... My next appointment's tomorrow. Um, I don't know if she's actually going to try it with me, whether it's too soon, but she discussed the empty chair theory. Now, I don't know if anybody out there who's you know had talking therapies or... Um, anything like that in the past that has used this method but it's quite new to me so she kind of sort of dusted over it a little bit because obviously we you know what it's like oh you're coming up to the last five minutes now let's wrap it up sort of thing and she said that's something we can try if you want to if you feel safe to so I thought oh, what is it is it like a seance what is it so with all you know in all seriousness um I did a little bit of research when I got home and it's essentially talking to an empty chair as if the person that's that you want to talk to is, you know, in it, in the in the chair. And I don't know what it was, but it kind of struck something with me. Um and it made me feel quite sad. And she said, If you feel comfortable and I'll be there to guide you then I did start thinking it was probably a seance. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. I, I do this when I get nervous and find stuff awkward to talk about. I use my really, really ill-timed humour. Um, gallows humour, I believe they call it. Um, so, yeah, so essentially she's going to put an empty chair in front of me and I've got to talk to it as if my dad's in the chair. So I feel quite... it feels weird um it's obviously quite a good concept and probably a good healing process but it's quite I don't know it's like wow you know quite powerful um so we'll we'll try it um maybe tomorrow's probably too early maybe I need to give it another week or so um but I'll let her guide me and you know, just sort of um, see what she thinks. So I feel like I kind of had a bit of a, you know, I connected with her. Um, you know, I think it's quite early on when you sense a good chemistry with with the person you're talking to, especially about really intimate kind of, um, you know, mental health, emotional, powerful things like that. So, um. And, you know, I did get quite good vibes off her. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see see what happens. So I have like a care coordinator. So she kind of works on behalf of the counselling company that my health trust, you know, obviously buys into to, to get the therapy. And so she kind of rang me up for a checkup this morning. Um, it's all a bit, it's all, I mean, it's good. Um I've never had this kind of, you know, work of obviously, you know, they've learned that, um, over the years. I mean, it's been sort of about eight years since I last accessed um, counselling through work. So um, it seems to have come a bit of a way. So I have this uh, representative called Rachel, who's lovely. She's Irish. She's got such a lovely accent. Uh, she's just checking in on me, making sure everything's okay, making sure the first session went okay. So she's going to drop me what she calls a surprise call in a couple of weeks. Um, I hope that doesn't mean she's going to tear up at my house or something. Um, but no, she's going to ring me and just check that, you know, everything's working out okay and that we don't need to change um, counsellors or anything. So um, it seems like, you know, I've been kind of looked after. Um, 
So like I said, I've kind of had talking therapies in the past. I've had various different kind of methods, um, tried different approaches, had male and female um, therapists. And, you know, so it's, you know, kind of easing me in and I've kind of got to get into my uncomfortable zone in my sort of my, um, you know, to try and deal with those really horrible feelings that I've tucked away. So, you know, in the last 12 months. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, um, things seem to be a little bit better. Um, stress wise, not so much. Um, so little G came down with chicken box last week. So that saw him an extra week off school. Um, he didn't mind. He was kind of okay in himself, but my God, he looks like a leper. Poor thing. Um, absolutely covered top to toe. So, um, so that opened up the whole kind of hypervigilance kind of side of me, um, which um, I manage better now. Uh, when he was a baby, I really, really struggled with it. I was really, really hypervigilant and constantly, constantly anxious. So I took this as a kind of like a rite of passage. You've had chickenpox now, it's great. You're not going to get it again, hopefully. Um, you know, it's a good thing. It's good that you get it, um, you know, at your age because, you know, your symptoms will be milder and you, you know, so, you know, kind of getting rational brain to kind of overtake that. Um, and he sailed through it really with the exception. He, like I said, looks a bit like a leper. Um, you know, he was able to go back to school. So that's kind of like normality and routine, which I, I thrive on. Um, so life seems a little bit more normal. Um, I, you know, so I kind of struggled. Um, luckily Big G was off work, uh, most of last week anyway. So it was, I didn't have to worry so much about sort of, um, little G being at home or anything, you know, being off school. So it was okay. Um, so like I said, you know, back to routine, things starting to feel a little bit more normal. Um, and the same with work, really, being back at work and, you know, um, just going through the motions and feeling a little bit more kind of normal in work. Um, and, you know, um, people are being supportive and things. And I kind of laugh off the therapy thing because, you know, I kind of make light of dark stuff um, because it, people find it awkward to talk about sometimes. And, and, there is that part of me that thinks, oh, here she goes again, she's in therapy again, you know, that that's what people think. And they probably don't think anything at all. They probably have no opinion, but you've got this thing in the back of your head, oh, she's damaged, so she's having more therapy, um, which I know rationally speaking is a very healthy, you know, choice. It's It's helping me to get answers to get better. So, you know, that I know I'm doing the right thing and I and I'm glad to have that impartial person to talk to because I'm not offloading it onto people that are probably going to get fed up of it. So um and like I said there's been a, a lot of stuff kind of churning up over the last few months and I think having my car crashed into and and all that kind of thing hasn't really helped. And just as a side note, um when I mentioned about um sort of like my financial stresses in one of my previous episodes. It was either the last one or the one before. Um, when I said the bank had denied my um, application for a, a consolidated loan, well, I had an email today from them saying, 
Oh, um, if you had applied on this day, we had a bit of a system error, so your rejection wasn't really a rejection. So if you want to apply for a loan again, you're more than welcome to. After I've just taken out finance on some ridiculously extortionate APR, you know, rate of inflation. Ah, so yeah, there's me sending a complaint off to my bank. Um, because if they had actually approved it at the time, I'd probably be a, be a hundred pound better off a month. Ah, you could scream, couldn't you? I told my mum, and my mum. Well, my mum's actually gone off on one. <laughs> um, I always tell my mum. Oh, if, if in doubt, tell me mum. Um, so yeah, she's probably more vexed than I am, to be honest. The fact that we're using the word vexed, which is a word my dearly departed grandmother used to use when she was really angry. So yeah, that just goes to show. But yeah, so that's kind of triggered me a little bit tonight because I've thought... I, I could have had, you know, I wouldn't have to do these extra shifts once a month and I wouldn't have to do this and do that and scrimp and save and blah, blah, blah. No, it, oh, do you know what? Honestly. Anyway, so yeah, that, that I'm fuming about that. But, you know, things seem to be kind of returning to a level of normality. I'm getting used to the new car. Um, you know, it's it's a machine. It's a machine to get me to work, get me around my jobs in work and come home again. You know, it's, it's doing the job. Apologies, I just had a sneezing fit. I think one thing about starting home improvements is that there's still brick dust floating around in the atmosphere. So it's going to catch up with me at some point. Um, so another thing is, you know, getting a little bit of upheaval at the minute because we're starting the final project in the house, which is the living room, um, which means, you know, ripping out the fireplace and new floor, new everything, um, stuff basically I'm no good at doing. I just look at doing the final touches, like, you know, the lamps and the rug and the, you know, wall art and stuff like that. So that's my project, but I feel a bit guilty because obviously Big G's kind of funding most of this himself through his overtime shifts and stuff. And normally I'd be more than willing to meet him 50-50, if not 60-40. But I think with, you know, getting this car on finance and stuff, it's kind of draining my bank account a little bit more than I wanted it to. Uh, thank you to my bank who will remain nameless because I will be putting a complaint in. Um so that's kind of all going on as well. So and that, that's the constant sort of worry of finance is always lingering about. And co with the current market in the UK, it's just so dire at the moment. Um, you know, some people are equating it to the 80s with the miners' strikes, um, which left a lot of people very, very poor. Um, you know, so things can only get better, as they say. That's one of our prime ministers said. Anyway, I digress because, you know, I said I'd never talk about politics. So, um, but, you know, things are looking a little bit better. Um, done a lot of sort of kind of trying to get back to routines and things, um, even if it's just catching up on housework and stuff, just giving me kind of a purpose. And another thing I find is actually walking the dog is actually a good 
therapy, um, even though she's probably going to end up with the same anxiety levels as me. Because um, I, I, you know, treat her as my uh, unofficial therapy dog and she's looking more wrecked than I am. So, um, bless her. Um, so, you know, things are kind of improving slowly. Um, they're certainly not getting any worse anyway at the moment. Um, and I think with the weather improving and stuff, although it's given snow the end of the week, which I'm not looking forward to, but the lighter mornings, the lighter evenings, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. So I just find that this has been a particularly long winter and, you know, we've booked our holiday. So I'm feeling a little bit more kind of something I've got to look forward to, um, you know, and I'm just feeling a bit kind of uh, about myself and just sort of making comparisons. And I think because my confidence is so knocked at the moment, it kind of brings my self-esteem down with it as well. Um, so if I'm not feeling confident in my job or anything like that, it's affecting my self-esteem, which um, is never a good thing. Um, particularly because I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a, a confident person in any way. Um, I kind of come across as quite confident and up until recently I was very confident in my job as well which kind of gave me a bit of a disguise kind of a bit hiding behind the uniform kind of helped sort of amplify the little bit of confidence I did have um but last sort of six months I'd say I've just felt like I don't really know what I'm doing um in terms of you know am I sure I'm making the right decision and kind of not abdicating responsibility because I'd never do that and I'd never shirk my responsibilities but just kind of thinking like going home and worrying all the time taking my job home which is you know it does happen for a lot of people who work in public service you can't just switch off and clock out you know it's um it's kind of a 24-hour thing unfortunately and you do sit there and think have I done this right and and just sort of getting angry over like the current state of things and you know the the kind of the injustice of you know people doing uh you know less work but being paid more and and things like that you know the usual kind of stuff you'd find in most jobs really um so yeah just feeling a little bit kind of disheartened I'd say um and sometimes I get like this and I think I cut, I try and cut my nose off to spite my face and go, right, I'll look for another job done. Knowing full well that the main reason I go to work is probably because of the support I get from the girls that are there. Girls and guys, I should say. Um, because, you know, I they we're just all completely in the same boat and we, we kind of rely on each other and look after each other. But even then, sometimes I sit there and I think, would this sort of like conversation still go on if I wasn't here? Or what do they say when I'm not here? And, you know, that kind of, you're feeding that insecurity. And the thing is, we're all human. We all talk about each other behind the, each other's backs. And we'd, we're not saints. Everybody does it. It might not be anything completely malicious at all. It might just be, oh, God, she was late again. Or, oh, do. There's nothing really meant by it. There's no underlying hatred there. It's just comments. Um, but I think with this massive dip in my confidence lately, I just think, sometimes I think they don't want me there. 
um and just things like um I was supposed to go out for this meal um it was kind of the weekend that I'd um attempted to buy the car I've got now and with all that going on with the stress with the finance and all that shenanigans and it was probably the only night that all of us all the staff managed to get together and have a meal out and have a good night and even like some of the staff that no longer work with us um it was like a bit of a reunion and I was the only one that didn't turn up so I got a bit of like um you know FOMO whatever they call it um but at the time I wasn't in a fit state to go anywhere I just knew that I wouldn't enjoy myself and I'd bring the mood of everybody down anyway so it was in my mind the sensible decision to bow out um and that's what I do I I've kind of got to the stage now if I don't feel comfortable about something I just don't do it um it's just easier um it's easier to kind of take the flack for that than kind of put yourself through something that's going to make you unhappy and kind of sitting around I might have enjoyed myself I might have had a lovely night but the way I felt that night I just did not want to be around people at all so um and you know nobody likes a miserable person at the dinner table so plus the fact I probably couldn't have afforded it anyway so yeah um so that was so I kind of feel a little bit like I've let people down and that's one of the biggest things I struggle with and I I bring it up time and time again in my podcast episodes about this feeling not good enough and this feeling that I'm letting people down because that was one of the things that my uncle said in his letter when I'd asked him about why I'd not been informed of my father's death nor invited to the funeral or any kind of you know any kind of information and he'd said that I'd let my dad down and I don't to this day I don't know what I'm supposed to have let him down with um so if anybody can help me with that please let me know (laughs) Um, and again, I'm using humour. I'm doing the whole kind of Chandler Bing kind of approach to it all. Um, I use humour when I feel uncomfortable. Um, and I've got to accept that I might not ever get the answers. Um, and one of the suggestions, you know, when I was sort of coming out with ideas with my therapist was maybe I could access and get a copy of his death certificate because at least then I know what he died of. And if it was anything that I need to be aware of. Um you know, if there's any sort of indication it could have a family history issue. Um, but I don't know. I haven't emailed my local registry office yet. I don't know if it's if I'm able to, whether I'll have access, whether I have a legal right or anything. It's just but I've got to ask the question, right? Don't ask, don't get. So we shall see about that. Um I've also <laughs> so the saga of snag continues. Um, my surgery was supposed to be this coming Friday and it was cancelled a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I'd psyched myself up and obviously to, to no end really, because I've just got to wait until I get another, another date for surgery. But if it's not within a six week, I'm going to have to go through the pre-op assessment as well, which is another 60 mile trip there 60 mile trip back so I'm feeling a bit disheartened by that so in my kind of I don't know if it was a wise decision or not sometimes I do these things sometimes I'm a little bit impulsive 
but I actually refer to the complaint service for the health trust that I, well, that I actually work for. <laughs> That's uh, going to go down like a lead balloon. Um, so they have like a helpline for patients. So I drop them an email asking for advice and guidance about basically the delays in my treatments. And this lovely lady rang me back and I kind of blurbed everything out to her. So I felt a bit, well, let's talk about, you know, intrauterine devices. But, um, you know, to cut a long story short, I did tell her that, you know, the, the, the medical staff that I was seeing in this other hospital were relying heavily on the images that were over 12 months old um, from my ultrasound scan. So not to any, you know, blame on them. They they only can work with the tools they are given. But uh, they were under the impression that those images were recent and they're not. Which probably would have attributed to the amount of discomfort I had, particularly my first appointment. Um, and subsequently they would have been able to have seen if it had migrated. Um, which it has. So... I I told the um, patient services lady um, kind of briefly because I didn't want to, you know, give a war and peace. But I just sort of explained, like, this is what's happened. And, and she said, well, would you like to pl- proceed with an investigation? I was like, whoa, that sounds a bit serious. And I said, well, what does that involve? And she said, you know, it basically it will go through to the head of the service so the head of like women's services or gynae and obstetrics or whatever, hopefully not obstetrics, um, <laughs> wrong department. Um, but you know, it'll, uh, it, they'll look into why it, there was a delay and, and what they can do to support you. So I said, well, I, I don't like to complain. I said, this is, you know, and I appreciate this. A lot of people that are in a much worse state than me, that are higher priority. And I totally get that. But I said, I've been waiting nearly two years. Um, and the images I had, you know, the the ultrasound, there was a gap between me having my ultrasound scan and actually being physically seen in clinic. And it was about 12 months. So a lot has happened in that 12 months, hasn't it? Because I was told that the IUD was in the right place and for nothing to, you know, not to worry. And I didn't worry up until I was seen by that doctor and I thought she was trying to pull my tonsils out. So, um... And it was incredibly painful. And, you know, I'm not one for sobbing in front of strangers, but that's what exactly what I did. And I believe it was because they were thinking the images were up to date and accurate and they weren't. So that's my biggest issue is that 12 month gap where I had no follow up or no further investigations leading up to actually going to a face to face appointment. So um they said they're going to get back to me within 30 working days so um and they've given me like a they give me booklets and everything in the post and then they said we'll investigate it we'll um, find out what happened um not that it's actually going to make a difference because I, I did say well I'm gonna to have to go to surgery now and have a general aesthetic which is not exactly what I envisaged you know happening um because it's a straightforward procedure that you walk into a clinic, get it done, get a new one and walk out again. That's exactly what I planned to happen. And what happened to 18, 19 months down the line, I'm still here waiting to get it removed. So 
you know um but you know we'll see what happens but they've given me like the my lead contact which is like the head of department who happens to be a man which is a bit strange um not that I've got anything against it but you know head of gynecology and um services and it's it's a dude um can't really empathize with my situation can he um but you know um it that's not the point is it um I've just got to see what happens uh, as a result of the investigation so I've kind of got a list of complaints going on at the minute between that and now my bank <laughs> which I've sent them a very snotty message tonight so I'll hear back in the next five working days about that one. Um, if anybody wants me to write any strongly worded letters, please let me know. I'm in a very complaining mood right now. So <laughs> I always do this in work. I'm very good at sort of, um, if people ever need me, because I'm like the grammar police, they they uh, pull me over and say, can you read this email? I'm sending it to management. Yeah, no problem. I'll do that for you now. And make suggestions and sort of do a bit of editing for them. I don't like to complain. I've gone this this many years of being a pushover and being a people pleaser and now I'm getting to the point where I'm just just angry with everybody. So <laughs> um like I said, I don't like to complain. I don't want to be that person to make a complaint and people I roll when my letter comes in and whatever. But the thing is it's it's my it's it's affecting me and it's probably affecting me more than I care to imagine really um plus the fact it's affecting my life um it's causing it's caused a few little tiffs between me and big g um because you know i said to him well you could always go for the snip and he's like no you won't get me into a hospital you won't get me into a clinic blah 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 so i said oh it's okay for me to go and have a you know general anesthetic and have this forcibly removed um and you know yeah, you can imagine it's be like, oh, you know, stop being like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, but it's been stressful because it's my body just doesn't seem to get a break from between, you know, sort of pregnancy, um, a very horrible delivery, um, then getting colitis, um, then everything going on with the man's well-being. And now, of course, I've got getting gynae problems too. So, you know, it's it just I just feel like there's no let up at all. Um, so I'm quite frustrated at the moment in that respect. And I'm just, you know, all my plans to lose weight and get back exercising and eat well have gone completely down the toilet. Um, you know, it's just because I'm miserable, I'm eating because it's just makes me feel better or I it gives me the illusion I feel better. When actually I just feel major guilt for that as well. So it's just one big kind of shame spiral, really. Um, and then it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling bad about the way I look. And so I don't make as much effort. And then I feel even worse because I, I don't look good. I don't look well. And, you know, it's just one of those. I'm kind of just feeling a bit sorry for myself, in all honesty. Um and yeah, it, which doesn't help the anxiety and the stress side of things either. And uh, and I just feel like I need a re- reprieve somewhere. Somebody needs to give me a break. So my poor therapist is going to get it both barrels tomorrow. 
Um, so that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, so it's a bit of a shorter one tonight. Um, but just so you know, I'm a lot better than I was in my last podcast episode. And although I didn't feel good, I was okay. I was safe and I was still okay and I'm still safe. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm seeking professional guidance and support at the moment as well. So everything's moving in the right direction. So I'll keep you guys updated with my complaints to both, you know, the, the snag saga, which I, I think should have book rights by now at the very least. Um, it probably will bring its own autobiography out at some stage and, um, also my complaint with the bank as well. So I'll keep you updated because, you know, I just, I just thought, wow, it's a little bit more exciting for you, really. <laughs> um, and plus this is a person that never complains. So we'll see what person that never complains gets, how far they get with a complaint. Um, so yeah, so without further ado, I'm going to call it an early night and once again, keep talking, keep sort of, you know, breaking down that stigma Keep being honest and open and look after yourself. Stay safe and I'll speak to you soon. Good night.